Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. Okay, let me tell you this. They dedicate a month to it. That's how big of a problem it is. <laughs> Financial literacy month, right? You have black, yeah, you got black history month because black history is a problem, right? (laughs) But you only get a month though. You You only get, you only get a month. (laughs) You get cancer awareness month because cancer is a what? A problem. Yeah. Name a month that is named after something that is positive. I I don't know if there's (laughs) So so why would financial literacy month all of a sudden be positive, right? It's not. Got it. Mm. So more it's more people, there's a lot of people need to listen to this. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Man, I tell you what, back in the day when I was finishing playing ball, I I wish I had a tool or a resource that can be able to help me transition into the real world. You know, for so long, as athletes, and the higher up we go, you know, having a dream of playing professionally or even in college, we don't see like the big picture of some of the things, some of the sacrifices that is needed that sometimes can pay a heavy cost with your identity being wrapped up into what you do. And so, in saying that, I've created a a coaching program, and you can find it at alexmoldencoaching.com, it's specific to to athletes. 
in whether in your college or or in in the professional ranks but it's a resource to be able to help um, athletes start to transition start to look at themselves as more than athletes and start to really hone in on other skills other skills in terms of relationships other skills to help you find out exactly what you want to do when you're done playing but it's important it's key to be able to start to lay down the foundation start to lay down a plan to do that while you're still in your sport because let me tell you something people will answer emails or they will pick up the phone when you're still playing those calls those emails don't get answered once you're done that's just the truth so go to my website check it out um, I put together a webinar it's called the four keys to help elite level athletes transition um, so uh, it's something that is very I'm very passionate about it's something like when I went through that whole process of uh, exiting sport and I didn't have a roadmap I didn't have a mentor I didn't have a coach and so I want to be able to provide that now because I'm very passionate about it. All right, so check it out. My guest this week on The Shark Effect is Lewis Taylor, and he is the president and registered investment advisor to Taylor Wealth Management Corp. And as a graduate of Western Oregon University, Lewis started promptly in the investment business with a small Wall Street-based company. And for the first six years of his career, he thrived there. But in 2004, he walked away from that firm and went independent to pursue his vision of becoming the first minority-owned registered investment advisory firm in Oregon. In 2010, he founded Taylor Wealth Management, where he helps business owners, corporate executives, celebrities, and athletes to transform their income into wealth. His focus is on being a conduit and providing access to the secrets of the investment world. Lewis has committed his professional life to teaching people how to make their money work for them in the way that they want it to. He currently serves as a school board director and is a regular speaker for small businesses and Fortune 500 company minority employee networks. Let's have a listen. Welcome to another episode of The Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. Um, I'm excited about this conversation I'm about to have with the with a good friend of mine who was on before, and it was it was so much fun having having him on, and then talking about you know his background and what he's doing now, and now since it's Financial Literacy Month, I felt that it was a perfect opportunity to have him on again. My man Lewis Taylor, Lewis. Thank you for being a guest once again on the Shark Effect, my man. Man, Alex, I am so honored and 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 I feel blessed to be here. Thank you for having me back on. I had a great time the first time that we got together, and uh, I'm glad we decided that uh, we should give it another run. I mean, why not? You gotta get right? the people what they want. <laughs> you get, you get sometimes you gotta get the people what they want. <laughs> you gotta get them what they want. <laughs> <laughs> and also try to get them what they need. So I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you haven't listened to our episode, this was a while back. This was this is episode thirty six, and um, we're in the nineties right now. So, um, but 
Lewis, man, I want to talk to you about financial literacy. And this is awesome. your this is your area. This is your sweet spot. And I just want to jump right in it because, you know, finance is centered around numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And I was never that good in number in math. I, I was I was I was better in geometry, but but you know, in terms of like the numbers in math, tell me a little bit about the numbers say. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I've been seeing that on um different whether it's what you post on your website, um, hashtag what the numbers say. Can we talk a little bit about that? What does that mean? <clears throat> you know what? Uh, what the number says uh, says a lot of things. And you have seen that hashtag uh, from time to time uh, when I post. And, and in fact, it's, it's, it's become a consistent. Uh, the numbers say a lot. And uh, I came up with that as a okay, as a hashtag, because it doesn't just center around finance. The the numbers say uh, a lot of things about life. It says a lot of things about about stories, um, and numbers can tell a positive story or they can tell a, ne- a negative story. It all depends on the way that you look at them. So most of the time, I use that hashtag as a conversation starter. Um, and it, you know, you'll never know where that, where that's going to lead to. I just happen to be a financial guy. So a lot of times, you know, I'll get into financial, uh, conversations, but, you know, one thing that I have fun with, uh, with the number say is, is something that I call fun facts and fun facts, uh, fun facts. Yeah, okay. So um, it's going to make me laugh or what? what? You, well, <laughs> you know what? It's, it's interesting. <laughs> The, the thing about fun facts, sometimes they're not so fun, right? <laughs> they create emotion. Yeah. And what they, what they also do is they, the, these fun facts are facts that can be disturbing, right? And so they're things that are also eye-opening. And, um, and a lot of people might hear the word disturbing and they, and, they, and they think that the feeling is bad, but it's not. I can disturb you in a good way or I can disturb you in a bad way. So... Let me, let me, let me actually, let me give you an example. I would love that. All right. Let me give you an example. Uh, Here's one. 95% of millennials are saving less than the recommended amount. Okay. Now what the recommended amount is different for everyone. So that could be vague, right? Yeah. So the reason that I say that one first is that it allows you to see how numbers can say one thing or another thing, but we can also tell a story like, Hey, well, I don't, I don't think that your recommendation is right. (laughs) Right. So we, the numbers can say something that is completely misleading. Here's another one. 69% of households have less than $1,000 in emergency savings. 69% of households in America, in America, have less than a G for emergencies. That is that is a fact. That is a fun fact. That don't sound but it's too also much fun. I ain't laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also disturbing. It is you disturbing. See where I'm going here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Listen to this. Thirty-four percent of all Americans have zero goose egg in savings. Thirty-four percent of this country has zero dollars in their savings accounts. One third. That's more than one third. A yes. little bit more. Thirty four. <laughs> yeah. But Look you at you getting all math. You getting all mathy on me. <laughs> but yeah, see, I mean, 
that's disturbing, yeah. right? Now, see, now that could disturb you to motivate you. That's right. Or it could disturb you in a way that makes you give up, right? Mm. My job is to make sure that you don't give up. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and here's here's one, and then we'll, we'll stop at this one, but 43% of student borrowers aren't making their payments. 34%? No, 43. Oh, 40, I'm sorry, 43%. Correct. They ain't paying. They're not paying. Do you know there's only two things that are not forgivable for repayment? Taxes and student loans. You, you don't get you, like a pass. The, o- the only way that you get out of your tax bill or your student loan bill is to die. Is death. That is the only way. They, they are not forgiven. Dang. So to think about 43% of our country has these debts that are not forgivable is, 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 is flabbergasting, right? Wow. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't it, think a whole, I don't think a whole bunch of people in this country are financial li- financially literate or mm-hmm. responsible or or both. Is that what the numbers say? The numbers say it. Unfortunately, it, 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 that is what it says, and you know it's it's something that. Um, I've taken pride in, but here's the thing. I grew up in a household that was very financially illiterate. You know, when we sat around my table, we never discussed uh, finances. We never discussed the stock market. I hadn't even heard of the stock market until college. I I mean, I didn't know anything about the stock market until college. And in high school, they might've mentioned it. They mentioned it in maybe a finance class, but you know, I wasn't paying attention. Um, And so sadly, that lack of information in the early years hurts us. Financial literacy should be being passed on so early. Um, it's just starting middle school, to be honest with you, to start getting, because at middle school, you can start to comprehend. You can yeah. start to think about how you save money, low jobs, odd end jobs, right? Yeah. These are the things that should be being discussed early on. Okay, okay. Well, let's dig into that. Like, what what do what should I be telling my, my, my daughters? Cause they do babysitting, mm-hmm. and, you know, from time to time they do a little modeling, whatnot, they get a little coin. What should I be, <laughs> what should I be telling them besides like save that for college? Right. I, I think that uh, a big thing that we can start to challenge our children on is understanding what it means to put up a certain percentage of their money off the top. Right. And so take it off the top. top. And I always tell people, pay yourself first. If you learn to teach your kids to live on less than they make early in their life, they will build the habit of understanding that, oh, just because I made a dollar means that I only am allowed to spend 75 cents of that dollar. Man, I wish I had this knowledge when I was, when I got my check. Right. (laughs) I mean, and if you started at an early age, that's all they will ever have, have learned. Yeah, yeah. They've always learned to take a little bit off the top, set it aside, right? Don't tell them what to set it aside for. 
right? Because mm -hmm. if you give it a target, then they may say, oh, well, you know what? I can just restart. Oh, let me take it from that target. I'll just, I'll, I'll get back to it later. Just get them in the habit of putting it up, okay? And don't label what it goes to. That is the best thing that I think that you could tell someone is, is just live on less than what you make. Love that. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. Oh man. I wish, I wish I was talking to myself when I was your daughter's <laughs> age. I, Lord knows where I could have been. <laughs> man, I'll tell you what, goodness gracious. Oh. Okay. Well, is that all of your fun not so fun facts or you got some more you're going to hit us with man you know especially in today's society there's a lot of hot topics out there right now right yeah and i think that some of the things that i look at is um when i'm mentoring young men um and and most of the people i mentor are young men and and they're young black men you know because I, I you know i'm a black man so mm -hmm. um you know so some of the things that i have to bring into the conversation for that demographic of people, right, is, is different. Um, and so, uh, you know, unfortunately, some of these fun facts tend to become a little more disturbing, right? But it's good. I mean, it's good to be aware of it. Yes, what it right? is, yeah. It, it is, it's good to be aware of it because what you don't know can hurt you, right? Mm -hmm. And he, here's a fun fact, okay? And this might make you feel a certain way you or some of your listeners or uh, depending on if you're a person of color, depending on if you're someone who's not of color, it can make you feel a certain way. But here's one that I always have to talk to young black men about. 38.3% of the entire black population is incarcerated. That's crazy. How does that make you feel? That makes me feel like I just got punched in the gut. And then, yeah, I'm, and, and then, now I'm thinking about like my, you know, my homeboys back in the, back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh man, yeah, he's in jail. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. He's spent some time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That person it's like, man, maybe, is he right? That's right. So, so the numbers say that there was a 38.3% chance that you and I wouldn't be sitting here today on this podcast. You wouldn't have a college degree. You wouldn't have made it to the NFL. I wouldn't be a financial professional. Um, and our families would have a whole different look right now based off of that number. Right. Yeah. And so that so I'm usually telling young black men when there's three of them in the room that one of you will go to prison and for a very long time, more than likely. Okay, so that's not a it's a fun fact. That's not so fun. Yeah, but that's a societal fun fact. Um, you know, then we start looking at some of the different things uh, when it comes to, to home ownership and, and, and the wealth gap. And you start looking at, you know, black people get denied 40 percent more than their counterparts. So that's another fun fact. So when we start talking about wealth gap and how how these wealth gap continues to to grow, well, if you can't buy a home, most families' number one asset is their home. Mm -hmm. So if you get denied on average 40% more, you're not having access to home ownership, which means the number one source of wealth black people don't have access to for the most part. 
Which is their home. It's just, yeah, which is their home. So what did that make you? A renter your whole life. And when you do qualify for a home, here's another fun fact. On average, you're going to pay 7.9 basis points more in interest than your white counterparts. So because you're paying more to finance your home, that means you're building less equity. That means there's less money to pass down to your children. So those are the fun facts that become a little more disturbing. But those are the fun facts that I have to tell to some of the young black men that I'm mentoring so that they become aware, right? Mm -hmm. And if you become aware that there's a problem, now you can devise a plan to avoid that, to avoid that problem or to take on that problem head on to make sure that it doesn't happen to you. So, um, yeah, so you can see fun facts can go all different types of ways. The numbers can say all different types of things. The numbers say is a great, great way for me to have conversations that can go all across the board with perfectly good strangers. So I love it. I love it. Wow, man, that's, that is disturbing. And the, you know, to look at it, just look at the numbers, you know, if you take your emotions out of it and just look at the data. Yeah. And it's like, man, that can be daunting. It can be an uphill battle, but it's better to know that you're going to have an uphill battle. Right. And then what, and then what steps do you do to, to kind of level out the playing field if it's a if it is possible yeah that's you know what it it's possible well first off anything's possible right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're living proof of that yeah, yeah. <laughs> anything is possible and i think it starts with attitude right absolutely um yeah and it starts with attitude is is it's becoming aware of it and then how do you have the right attitude? Uh, and then, like, you, I think you may have even said before to me, attitude and effort is everything, right? If you've got the right attitude, no matter what someone does or says to you, um, you know, you figure out how to deal with the landscape that you might be dealing with, okay? Yeah. And then effort will come into place. Now you got to start making the effort to become more financially literate. Now you got to start making the effort to build more relationships, now you need to start making the effort of researching what the markets are doing. How do I get better access to capital? How do I meet friends that know this stuff better than me, right? And so once you start kind of getting in that mindset and kind of that becomes your process to say, hey, I don't want to be like what those numbers say. Yeah. I, and I think at the at the bottom of it is, or the foundational is, is like, first of all, just knowing who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. you know, when you're talking about that, I'm like, man, like me, once I started to ask myself deeper questions about who I am and what I stand for, and, you know, outside of like what I, what I do or what I did, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of playing football. And I started mm-hmm. asking myself, like, who, you know, who, who am I? And then mm-hmm. make sure, like, I'm aware of that in different situations, in different environments. Man, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, um, you know, the crazy thing about that, Alex, is that I was someone up until the last year and a half, um, 
I didn't know who I was. I mean, I was having success in my career. Um, I'm having success in a lot of my different relationships. Um, I was having success in, in different ventures that I was doing. But all along the way, I still didn't know who I was. And I'm in my 40s, right? Yeah. And this is the crazy thing. We're talking about this, and you couldn't hit the nail any square on the head that, you know, I had to get a coach to help me. And I'm okay with that because we hire people like yourself back in the day to help us train and, and, and train our bodies and get our minds yeah. right around, around physical fitness. We, we have mentors at work that help us understand how to navigate these corporate matrices, right? Mm -hmm. But how many people take the time to invest in someone to help them to become a better them, a better That's you, cool. a better me, Absolutely. right? And so you speaking about knowing who you are, or I mean, you've, we've talked about it before, that you were lost when you came out of the NFL. Man, I was lost and didn't even know I was lost until I got a coach that helped me realize, man, you're kind of lost out there. You don't know who you are. You don't know the character that you that you want to be. And so I started thinking about that, and I realized that because of my upbringing and my lack of literacy around finance, my lack of literacy or my lack of access to a lot of different things, no one ever taught me what, uh, what you just said who you want to be and not what you want to be. Mm. And so when I had to reach to explain to people or help pe uh, people understand who I was, I was reaching for something that wasn't there oh, because man. I never practiced it. I never invested in it. I never had a mentor to guide me and help me understand how to define or figure out how to define who I was. So it made sense that I didn't know who I was at 44, yeah. 45 years old, right? Yeah. And so, man, you you hit the nail right on the head. And, and I say that because uh, although I'm very well versed in finance, I uh, is just as insecure as I am in still going down that path of understanding who I am as a person. So I'm working at it too. Yeah. So I'm not just on here preaching. I'm doing the work with you. Love that. Love that. <laughs> And, you know, I want to stay on that, you know, talking about success and what you do, like when you walk into somebody's home, right? Mm -hmm. Walking to somebody's home, what does success look like when you leave for them? You know, that's a great question. Because, and I'm, and I'm, and... you know, Go ahead. We, can we can define success different ways, right? And most yeah. people, they think success is, you know, how much money you got. It's true. Because the society, and let me, and, and let me say this, the U.S. society, unfortunately, has conditioned us to believe that whoever makes the most money is the most successful. That's right. Right? That's right. People always want to talk about, why well, I know a guy who has X. I know a guy who has this. And he's, he's smart, right? They're quick to give someone who has more than them accreditation for things that they have no knowledge of. And so when I walk into people's home, most people say, well, I want to make a bunch of money. Okay, fair enough. I don't walk in a home to <laughs> that of many people who don't want to make money, right? We all want to make money. Yeah. Um, but here's what I always have to, to, to help my people understand is that 
your success is going to be based off of how you want your money to provide the lifestyle that you want to have. Okay. And so in that, some people want to travel around the world. It takes a lot more money to travel around the world. Some people want to just travel locally and camp and not stay at the Four Seasons, right? It doesn't take as much money to do those different things. So if I told you that you you told me, so let's say if you told me that, hey, you know, when I get to retire, I just want a thousand square foot ranch with a nice backyard and a garden, and we're just going to travel domestically. And, you know, we really like to camp and fish and do those types of things. You know, what do we need to do to have that type of success? Okay, that's one message. Yeah. If you come to me and you say, hey, I've traveled all over the world with my corporate job. I want to continue to do that when I leave this job. I want to go to Greece. I want to go to Spain. I want to go to Germany. I want to see the world. I want to go to the, uh, to the UK. I, I, want, I want to go to the United Emirates, right? Oh, okay. You can do that. But it's a different path to travel to be able to do that. And you're going to need a lot more money to do that. So success is going to vary depending on what's important to the person. It doesn't, it doesn't, and how do I say this without, you know, it doesn't make sense for you to think that you need to have 20, $30 million to feel success. We're just trying to figure out what you want the vision for your life to look like when you call it quits. And once we know that vision that you have for yourself, we can help you bring that vision to life. And so if I can just get on the same page with understanding the vision that people want for themselves and I leave there and we can probably talk no finance during that whole time period. It's just a matter of defining the vision. And once we define that vision, that's when I know I have success. If that vision is not defined when I leave your household, then there's a lot more work for us to do right Mm -hmm. before we reach success. So, um, that's how I know I've, I've gotten some success. If, if I get out of there and I got a clear idea of what the vision is for that this, this family has for itself, their children, their retirement, their, their parents, right? Making sure that they transition safely, um, the way that they want to leave assets behind to their heirs. And so uh, if I know all of that, then that's, that's, that's success for me. Gotcha. So why are you, so why are you in your, um, in that, client or um maybe going to be a client while you're in their home what is one of the toughest questions your clients will have to answer is it around the same you know the same path (laughs) that we just talked about it it kind of is you know and and this is a tough one and and it stumps people all the time Mm. and hell it stumped me when I asked myself. So, and this is crazy. I was in the investment industry for approaching two decades and I couldn't answer that question. So it doesn't, when people don't get it or can't answer it on the spot, I give them all the grace in the world because I'm a financial professional and I still couldn't answer it for, for a long, long time. Okay. And that question is, how do you want your money to work for you to serve you today? But more importantly, when you need it most. How do you want your money to work for you 
to serve you today, but more importantly, when you need it most. How do you want it to serve you, right? So what do you want your money to do for you? How do you want it to serve you, right? And that is a tough question for people to answer because most people don't know who they are. So how do I tell you to you know serve me? Chopper, you know what's funny? Is, is, <laughs> is I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it from two different points of view. The 23-year-old Alex and now the 48-year-old Alex. Right. And I was like, man, and I had, you know, financial planners and and whatnot. And man, that would have stumped me. I would have been like, what you mean? Yeah, <laughs> what, <laughs> you, what you mean? This money gonna keep coming. What this money, I'm to serve me, I'm gonna get the I'm gonna have the, the dopest ride in the parking lot at the facilities at the I'm gonna have the you know, the new gold chain, the new, you know, the diamond, diamond ear. What you talking about? And you know what? The, the, the funny thing that you, uh, it's funny to hear you say that, actually, uh, because <laughs> I, I do a lot of work with Nike people, right? Executives and, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of their C-suite uh, level folks. And, and everybody knows in October, or excuse me, in August, is bonus season, Right. Man, oh, you should see how the, the parking lot shifts. All <laughs> them bonuses come out. You see more <laughs> Bentleys, more Porsches, oh, but, boy. you know, more Mercedes. I mean, the whole parking lot identity shifts come wow. bonus season, right? And the crazy thing about it is that these are some of your highest functioning and successful people within one of the, you know, best companies in the world. Yeah. And they're still doing the same thing that you were thinking at 23, oh, wow. buying gold chains, buying cars. I don't, I'm a, you know what? I don't feel that bad now. <laughs> you shouldn't. You shouldn't. It's just, it's, it's no different. The parking lot at a Fortune 100 company and the parking lot at an NFL facility. Yeah. When you get them bonuses from playoffs, most people don't put them up. They're like, oh, well, this I wasn't even counting on this, right? This so does that extra. come back to the so so does that come back to the financial <laughs> literacy then? Yes, like thinking long term. Is, is it is, so? So is it all about like, well, not all about, but is it thinking like long term? Is that what that that question is? Is it about thinking? You know like what long it is. Term. Where, where do you want to be? Yeah, you know what it is. It's about buying assets and not buying things that go down in value, right? You go out and buy cars, you go out and buy jewelry. Yeah, some jewelry will go up. Actually, some cars even go up. I mean, I'm a car guy, so I can I can appreciate a nice car. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, like I said, I make bad decisions too, financial decisions. And, and cars have been one of the bad financial decisions that I've made. But I also understand what it means to, to recover from making a bad decision and to be able to get back on track to where I want to be. And, um, and so, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's the feeling of immediate gratification. Mm. People feel like, like I earned a bonus. Yes. I, I deserve, I deserve. Okay. There we go. Now. Yeah. That's a different, right? Most people feel like I deserve this. Yeah. In reality, none of us deserve anything. Mm. <laughs> you know, we yeah. don't deserve 
what, 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 well, so you're telling me that your neighbor that doesn't make a half a million dollars a year doesn't deserve a, that same car. Right. Why are you more deserving than he is or she is? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. They're working two jobs. You're only working one. So why do you deserve this? And they and don't. They don't. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. So you start looking at the questions that way and then, it, and then it, it just hits a little bit different. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think that, you know what? I think there's this other um, just narrative that's been developed that, again, you see people having success because they're making a lot of money. You automatically think that they're financially literate and they're not. They're not. The numbers tell us that they're not. <laughs> they are not. I'll tell you what, I was far from financially <laughs> literate <laughs> when I got <laughs> No joke. I, man, I'll well, tell you what. I mean, how many people are sitting around having financial conversations right now at the dinner table? Yeah, that's true. I, right? Most people are wearing, watching American Idol. If that's still on, I don't even know if that's still on. I might have dated myself right there. Yeah, you did. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, most kids are in a screen on social media. Most parents are still unwinding or cleaning up from dinner or something yeah. of a sort. You know, um, just trying to decompress. So most people aren't having financial conversations. Then you got to catch up with a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever that is, right? Yeah. Um and there's not a lot of time for you to talk to your, your children or to have conversations between a significant other to talk about your vision for your money. Yeah. It's usually the last thing that you talk about. Oh, hey, by the way, we should probably set a, up a date to talk about our finance, right? Yeah. I mean, outside of groceries and your basic Me Too stuff, how often do you talk with your, your, your spouse about your retirement and the big picture and all those different things, right? Yeah, yeah. I can tell you this, I'm a financial guy and we still never talked about it. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and to, you know, my wife's benefit, I'm a financial guy and I, you know, I, I I'm saving money and we're doing all the, all the right things. So that could be take, taken for granted, but here's where I mess up. I take it for granted that because I'm a financial guy that she doesn't deserve to hear or doesn't need to hear. You can trust in me to do all of these things, right? Which is 100% false and incorrect and a big mistake. <laughs> it's just, you know, I just don't sit down and talk about it with my wife. Either, yeah. You know, I mean, okay. so I know that it doesn't happen. Yeah. Man. I'm not any better. <laughs> Tell me this, um, Lewis, what is the the biggest challenges that you have with um, with your clients that are high earners? What does that look like? What is because I, I think, you know, most people when you're making, you know, when you're making six figures and whatnot, then everything is peaches mm -hmm. and cream. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure there, you know, we all have challenges, but what are the challenges that that those people typically have yeah you know what um that's kind of my sweet spot I'm, I'm glad you asked that question actually that's a great question it's <clears throat> the industry calls them you know highly compensated employees and you know for me i call them the lost people 
and <laughs> the lost know, people. So the lost people, yeah. <laughs> so people say, "Hey, what do you do with highly compensated employees?" Oh, I say, "Oh, you mean the lost people?" <laughs> so the the lost people. So let me let me put this into context for you a little bit. You know, um, <clears throat> to be considered someone who's highly compensated, um, you have to make one hundred and thirty thousand dollars or more as an individual. Okay. Okay. That is the definition of a highly compensated employee or person. Okay. Um, most highly compensated people earn significantly more than that, anywhere between, let's just call it $250,000 and $700,000 a year. Those are, um, you know, a, a large group of people. Um, and, you know, I call them the lost people because once you start making that kind of money, you get a little bit lost. I mean, you've never made that kind of money before. Now what happens is that a different set of problems pop up. Okay. And they usually pop up in the form of an acronym called the IRS. Oh, <laughs> yes. And so, yes, when you start making that type of money, the net effect of that money is not the same, right? Because the government is showing up saying, Hey, uh, you know, we're so glad you made it to the party, you know, and guess what? The party to get into this party, the entry fee is just a little bit more, right? Oh. So if you want to get in the door, right? If you want to get in the door to the party, the cover charge is significantly higher. Okay. Oh and so I, that catches a lot of people off guard. How is it that I'm making a half a million dollars, but yet I still feel like I'm struggling? Mm. And that is a really, really common feeling. And if you were to tell somebody who was making $75,000 a year, $50,000 a year, maybe just coming out of college and making $40,000 a year, depending on their profession, that they would be making $500,000 a year and still struggling, do you think they would believe you? No. You just heard what the numbers said, right? Yeah. The numbers just told you. They're included in that the numbers. They included in those okay. numbers. When I tell you households, 69% of households in America have less than $1,000 in emergency savings. That is inclusive of highly compensated people. Wow. Now, yes. let me tell you about a, a, a certain group of highly compensated people, which let's just say a physician. Okay, a physician will will sometimes have a half a million dollars in student loans. And although they might be making seven hundred thousand dollars a year, well, once you take 50 percent in taxes, what does that knock that down to three fifty? Mm -hmm. OK, now they have, you know, a spouse and children and all the other things, you know, you know what that that what that costs. Yeah. Now you got college education, you got life. Life happens. Right. Yeah. And you got to put some money up for retirement. And man. You like to travel. I mean, you went to school for 13 years. You know, I'd be darned if you tell me I'm not going to travel after all that schooling, right? So yeah. you guys vacations and things like that. And so I know a lot of people who are physicians who live check to check. What? Orthopedic surgeons living check to check. They balling out. So let me tell you this. What financial literacy do you get in medical school? Oh. 
I would not know. <laughs> <laughs> How about about zero? About, I, I, I was, that was my next guess. Now, which, okay. now what you learn is about malpractice insurance, just in case you kill someone. Yeah. Right? So they will put the fear of God in you through if you cut someone open and they lose their life, then there will be hell to pay. Right? Yeah. Okay. So they do know that. But what is not covered in in physics and in anatomy is compounded growth, right? Or savings accounts or whatnot. It's not covered in thing, there. And that's the same thing you know, as a with a physician, professional athlete. They don't teach us, we don't we don't ask those questions and we don't they don't teach us that. They, Okay, let me tell you this. They dedicate a month to it. That's how big of a problem it is. <laughs> Financial literacy month, right? You Holy have month. black, yeah, you got black history month because black history is a problem, That's right? A problem. Yeah. <laughs> but you only but get a month though. You, you only get you only right. get a month. <laughs> you get cancer awareness month because cancer is a what? A problem. Yeah. Name a month. That is named after something that is positive. I, can't, I don't know if there's <laughs> so, so why would financial literacy month all of a sudden be positive, right? It's not. Got it. Mm. <laughs> so more peace, more people. There's a lot of people need to listen to this, what you said. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I mean, you can listen or you can choose not to listen, right? We all yeah. have choices that we can make in this yeah. thing. So um, so that's 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 a big, big eye opener for them. Um, and I might've touched on it earlier, but um, the fear of disability, the fear of, of, of uh, losing their job, right? A lot of times highly compensated people will have a non-working spouse, um, either whether it be a stay-at-home husband or a stay-at-home wife. Um, so really the burden of being the caretaker or the provider for the family typically falls on one person. Um, and so that stress that comes with that, you know, uh, of being tired and exhausted, um, because you make a lot of money, the, the people are putting a lot of pressure on you to understand what to do with it and how to care for it. And that is not something that people have been taught. So, um, so, you know, I, that group of people, which is why I call them the lost people are are usually lost because they're they're lost trying to figure out how did I get here? How am I making this kind of money? And how am I still struggling? Mm. And then how do I save enough to maintain this lifestyle that I have now elevated my family and gotten them used to? It's very difficult. Mm. So what should uh, they be doing? They need a plan. They need a plan. I mean, and I think that so often, more often than not, people get scared off by what the cost of a plan is. We know what the cost of not having a plan is. And it's, it's to the tune of, of, okay, let me tell you this. This, this is a fun fact. 83% of people that set financial goals and a plan feel better about their finances after just one year. That is a financial fact. 83% of people feel much better about their financial profile 
and their vision for themselves one year after putting a plan in place. Putting a plan. That's about the just putting a plan in place. Putting a, and a plan in place. That is it. It it is literally that simple. That's probably right? your but, most. That's that's your, that's the fun fact that that's about the one that that made me smile. All your other fun right. facts they weren't so fun, but that one right there was like okay. <laughs> Put a plan in place, right? It's not all doom and gloom. I'd love to tell you that it's easy. It's hard to repurpose your mind and wrap it around making more sacrifices financially, right? Because making sacrificial financial, um, you know, or, or financial sacrifices, excuse me, means that you have to go without something. Something has to be given up, okay? So what are you gonna give up? Is it the car that's out there in the parking lot with the bonuses? Is it one less vacation? Um, do our kids have to go to a different school? Mm. Um, you know, am I going to wear the same clothes more often than I usually do? Do I need 200 pairs of shoes? You know, things like that. What are you going to sacrifice for your plan to come together? And that's typically the hardest part is figuring out you know, what are we willing to give up to make the bigger picture um, come to life, right? And we all know that tomorrow's not promised. So it's hard for people to kind of wrap their head around that at times. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, you know, we talked about off air, you know, we was talking about um, cheap capital. Oh, and that's like one of my favorite things. That's that's one one of my, okay, favorite things. but the, okay, we'll talk to my people about it. We'll talk to my people <laughs> about the cheap capital. Because when we were talking about this offer, I was like, oh, oh, okay, this is. <laughs> I got to hear more about this, and I and I know if, if I want to hear more about it, then I know my people want to hear more about it. So, hey, this is this is tricks of the trade, right? Tricks of the trade. See, this is I mean, like hold on, tr- man. Before you go in, this is like <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting next to. You know, I'm a rookie and I'm sitting next mm-hmm. to, you know, my my buddies who's eight, nine years in the league and they're putting their arm mm-hmm. around me and they say, hey, okay, so here's what you got to do. And so I'm like, I remember, man, I remember having a notepad and I was like, okay, I'm I'm writing down everything. I just got that feeling. I just got that feeling when you lit up like a Christmas tree when you smile and talking about, you know, this cheap capital. Anyway, go ahead. I, I digress. Okay. No, 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 no. You're right. You're right. This is me putting my arm around you right now. Appreciate it. You and me in the locker room saying, hey, look, Milk, let me tell you something real quick. (laughs) Okay. me up. When most people tell you to go into debt, if if I told you to go into debt, would you view that as good or bad? No, that's bad. Going into debt. That's bad. Why is is it bad? Because my mama told me. That's all I got. Your mama, your mama <laughs> told you. <laughs> you go in the red. See, that, that's what this is. Like, this is a perfect example. Red. This is a perfect example of the financial conversations that you never had when you yes. were growing up. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I agree. Most people think that debt is bad. Having access to cheap capital is nothing but cheap debt. Right? Okay. So quick example. Break it down. Break it down. So quick example. I have clients that have uh, access to uh, cheap capital and credit lines at less than 2%, okay? Now, when I say they have access to capital, that means they have a $5 million credit line 
at less than 2%. Less than 2%. So what that means is that you could have a portfolio and because you have this portfolio, we're going to say, oh, you have this $5 million portfolio. We're going to give you $3 million in credit. You have a $7 million portfolio. We're going to give you $5 million in credit. Okay. Now I'm using that as an example so you can just understand. Now, some, some people on here listening will be like, well, I don't have 5 million. I don't have 7 million. The, not, the, the, the dollar denomination does not matter. I'm just using an example of a particular client. Okay. okay. This, this particular client goes out and buys 12 investment units. So multi-tenant properties and those multi-tenant properties kick off about $240,000 a year. Okay. And oh, no, somewhere hold on, hold on. Close. what you mean? Okay. That's how much it costs? No. The, 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 the 12 units in property cost him a total of $2.4 million. Okay. Okay. Actually it was, I'm lying. It was two, it was a little under 2.3. Okay. Um, a little bit under 2.3. So th those 12 units were about 2.3 million and he was getting about $240,000 a year, which some, which means that his investment return on those, uh, those units is bringing him back, you know, between 10 and 11% at what we call a cap rate capitalization rate. Okay. okay. Don't worry about the definition in the fancy words. Okay. Okay. The point is he, he bought 2.3 million in property. That's giving him income of 240,000 to service the debt. It was $39,000 in change a year. So his interest that he was paying on the money was only costing him $39,000 a year. But he's making two forty. Exactly. So now listen to how this works, people. You pay the $39,000 in interest that your mama told you was bad, right? You still net $200,000 free and clear, okay? You take that $200,000 and you pay, use it to pay the property down. How long does it take at $200,000 to pay off $2.3 million in, in property? Uh, yeah. Just about, it's about 11, 10 and a half, 12, 11 years. Yeah. Yeah, less than, less than 12 years, we'll call it. Okay. And the the price of the property. Well, let's just say that two million property twelve years from now will be worth. We'll, we'll call it two point or or it was two point three. It'll be worth close to three million dollars. Okay. In this market, it would have been right. Yeah. Now, in a normal market, it'd be worth. Let's just call it two point five, six, seven million, somewhere in there. Who cares? Yeah. Right. Then it doesn't matter. It's going to be worth more than it was when you bought it. There you go. Okay. So after twelve years. You have a $2.7 million, let's call it, property paid free and clear. How much of his own money did he use to get the property? Zero dollars. How much did the property actually cost him? Zero dollars. Zero. Now he's got a $2.7 million property free and clear that cost him no money that is now, because of rent increases, probably kicking him off $275,000 a year in income free and clear for the rest of his life. If he keeps it. Yeah. If, if he, he keeps it. it. Yeah. He can sell it. I'll just, or oh you can my. sell and take your $2.7 million and move on. So wow. do you see the, the power of cheap capital? So 
listen up, people. All the people that are making cash offers, and everybody's like, well, where do you keep all getting all these cash? Everybody wants to blame it on Californians. Well, it's just Californians, right? It ain't that many Californians, right? <laughs> right? It's a lot of them, but it's not that many. Um, but people that are making cash offers are people that have access to cheap capital, and they can come in and make a full-price cash offer and do a same-day close, Right? So they have an advantage over you because they because they got the capital, they got their own money, and if they got good credit, I'm assuming because they got that money, then yep. that makes it more advantageous or for banks to see. Yeah, you know good. what the crazy thing is? You don't even need good credit. <laughs> That's the crazy <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> that is the crazy thing. But this these are the tricks yeah, of the it trade. Talks. It's, it's it's not a level playing field. And I try to communicate this to people and, uh, and, you know, but you know what the beautiful thing about this is, is that how many thousands of people just learned that this is available, right? One of the reasons that I got into this business was because I grew up really poor and I didn't have access to anything. Right. And so it, it's always been an initiative of mine to give the everyday investor, the commoner, the person who grew up on social programs like myself, access to information that can change their life. Access. If you don't know about it, yeah. how would you know to change, right? Yeah. I would have never known about this coming up where I came up from. You didn't know about it and you had an eight-figure contract. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you know, know, because yeah. where's the pride? Everybody paid cash for it. Everybody wants to tell you how they paid cash for it. Yeah. When you say that to wealthy people, they laugh at you. Well, that was like, dumb. You big dummy. <laughs> you big dummy. <laughs> you know, you could have got this whole thing for free, for cheap. <laughs> you know? that, oh, that. oh, my goodness. Right. And so cheap capital. What's the hardest thing to get access to for people of color? Capital. Yeah. What's the hardest thing for small business owners to get access to? Capital. If you can get access to cheap capital, it changes your life. Literally changes your If you're a business owner, if you're a person of color, if you're a wealthy person, it doesn't matter. Cheap capital changes your life. And how do you get that again? You got to have a plan and you got to have someone like me on your team. Right? Hey, Segway. And... <laughs> that, that's perfect. That goes right into our next segment. <laughs> Lewis, tell my people, man, how they can get in touch with you. Oh, man. You can reach me by email. My email is Lewis, spelled like the French prince. <laughs> L O U I S. I know you know. You know I had to put that in there. You know what? I'm going to put all this in the show notes. So I'm going to put all your information in show notes. So people want to okay. reach out to you. Yeah. Sounds good. Lewis at twmwealthmanagement.com. Um, yeah, and uh, you can reach me on Instagram at at twmwealth uh, at Twitter at twm underscore wealth. Um, Facebook is just Taylor Wealth Management. You'll find me, TW Wealth Management. Yeah. So I'm out there. I'm out there. And, uh, you know, one thing I also like to do is just just talk to people. Hey, people have these questions. And most of the time, people are afraid to ask questions. And um, I'm someone who 
because I believe in people should have access to this information, I always make myself available uh, for the right people that come through the right channels to, to give them information or lead them down a path that they can find the information. So, um, you know, I'm glad you asked that question, but uh, in all seriousness, I, uh, man, if there's anything that I could do for you or any of your listeners, I'd be more than happy to, you know, try to help them. Absolutely. Well, man, hey, thanks again, man, for being a two-time. I think you are my first, are you my first two-time guest? Second time, <laughs> two-time guest on the Shark Effect, man. But anyway, man, thank you so much again, man, for, for sharing your who you are and what you do. And um, I know this is going to help out a lot of people, man. You know, I hope so. I hope so, man. Thank you for inviting me back on. Um, I, I hope that people find value in this and I hope that, um, you know, that it, that it leaves an impact on them a little bit. So, um, yeah, man, thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the shark effect podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already subscribe, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for Higher Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for it's for those who are looking to transition, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever. If you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you, okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just, not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that, that resonate with athletes, but I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.